Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. You are listening. You may or may not be listening to Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally, uh, I was going to say, int- I was going to say hidden, the occasionally hidden show, the occasionally interested uh, people. Who, uh, okay, let me start over. Let's see, yeah, let's start the whole thing over. Okay, right, you do it, Mac. Hello and welcome to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. You are now listening. Go that's, on. What? I mean, that's all I got. Am I even... Hello? Can you hear me? Hello. I, I don't know. Can, uh, I my name is Sean Astin. That was my little brother who's taller than me, Mac Astin. Mac is short for Mackenzie. We also have Johnny Ice on the boards. Well, now Johnny Ice is walking around here. Right? Oh, there he goes. <laughs> We're falling he's, apart. He's turning stuff. I, did, I swear I didn't oh, touch yeah. it. Thank you. Um, well, I'm a little... Um, I'm a little... What's the word? I'm a little... Verklempt? Well, no. Per- perturbed? No, not perturbed. Because it's on me, probably. I'm a little... Um, oh. Uh, not sad. Give me something else for sad. Melancholy? No, that's too like maudlin. Misty. Listless. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Miffed. Annoyed. I'm not disillusioned. It's uh, more like disillusioned. So you're, just, you're illusioned. I'm illusioned. <laughs> I'm mildly illusioned. You've I'm not as illusioned, illusioned as I normally you've am. You've been illusioned all your life. Oh, uh, man. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> no, I've just been, um, I've been on the Twitter sphere, which is my. Um, virtually only way. I guess we do have a, a website. Um, ToadHopRadio.com. Think no VoxPopularRadio.com. I don't know. <laughs> I've been drinking. I shouldn't be drinking. Hold on. Allow me to clear my throat. This is going to lead to another joke later. Ladies and gentlemen, today's Vox Populi is brought to you by Sean's brain, <laughs> uh, which we parcel out slowly over the next two hours. Um, thanks very much for listening to uh, any part of this show or uh, all of it over the next two hours. Whether you're listening to us live at this very moment or you are um, listening, listening to us to live it. at some other moment. <laughs> well, they're live, yes, if they are actually doing the listening. But they could be listening it, uh, to an archived version of it. All right. Um, all right. Let's, let's, get, let's get on track. All right. I'm there. Um, what are we talking about today? I was building towards if you're listening live now. Please call the show and share your opinion. That's where I was ultimately building. The call-in number is 323-622-8623. Don't be shy. Uh, the, the, we have an official topic for the day, but there's also a couple of other topics that uh, jumped up and a couple of questions from Twitter that I thought were uh, fascinating. Oh, let's hear them. Um, well, one, I actually want to pull it up so I can say, say the name of the Twitter follower, but the, uh, the official topic for the day is the State of the Union, President uh, Barack Obama's fifth State of the Union, his first State of the Union address since being reelected, uh, which happened Tuesday night. And uh, did you get a chance to catch it? Not a bit, bro. Hey, Johnny Ace, how'd you do? I missed it. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I actually I heard. Let one... me tell you all about it. It <laughs> was did. a it was a barn burner, no, people. I had a uh, soft, it, softball game, and I, I I was able to tune in uh, just for one uh, tiny little bit. Where uh, in the president uh, suggested uh, perhaps raising the minimum wage, uh, he put out a statistic that actually caught my wife and I uh, well unawares that uh, the yearly income for someone working full time at minimum wage is fourteen thousand. Well below the poverty line. That is so far below the poverty line. That's unbelievable. How can we? How can we have that? How can that be the minimum wage? Well, this is the age of uh, fact checking and uh, and the the social media. And I'm sure that anybody within the sound of our voice right now is pulling up 37 reasons why that fact is inaccurate. But uh, so I, I always find defending. Uh, certain pieces of data. I mean, if you go to whitehouse.gov, you can actually uh, watch and listen. You can watch the uh, entire um, State of the Union speech. And they have on the right-hand side of it a series of uh, slides that are uh, that sort of punctuate what the president is talking about and, not, and what you just uh, remarked was one of the slides. And, um, of course, it's shocking for any number of reasons. Um, not the least of which is uh, what a financial burden it is to the government to have to pick up the slack for all of the additional costs that can't be covered by the people who are working uh, for minimum wage. By which you mean to say if somebody is working full-time at minimum wage, they are not making enough money in order to feed their family, to pay for their housing. And so they reach out to the government for uh, the, for the difference to help uh, to help make that up. Health care is the biggest one that jumps to mind. Oh, they can't pay for their own health care. Health, health insurance and, uh -huh. uh, yeah. Uh -huh. So, uh, and any number of other things, insurance and, um, you know, heating of the homes and, you know, all the other kinds of... Uh, it would yeah. seem to me, and you know, I don't. I, it would seem to me that perhaps the best way to keep people from um, having to depend on the government is to uh, give them a little more money by law. Well, there's an internal conflict in what you just said. Okay. If you're giving somebody something, they're not earning it on their own. I, okay, perhaps I phrased that incorrectly right. uh, by 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 making it <clears throat> illegal for people to earn so little money. Uh, as the minimum wage. It, it, and tell me the argument uh, against that is, well, how are businesses uh, – businesses are, are not going to be able to get by if they, if they have to pay their employees. Well, more. it's even more insidious an argument, which is that uh, people, businesses won't be able to hire more people. So it's sort of tautological. It's an argument that feeds back in on itself, which is if you don't pay people uh, – if you pay people more, you won't be able to pay more people. Um, but let, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll play a clip of it. Uh, we were going to start in a slightly less. Uh, do you, what, do you get, did you follow? Oh man, I want to see it on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. But a lot of people think that I'm Republican. I get a, a lot of uh, people say, you know, hey man, I really agree with your views on. And I'm like, I didn't express that view. Or people say, you know, I really disagree with you. And I, I didn't express that view either. But um, I try to facilitate lots of uh, conversations. So the question, though, but before we get in, you are, you jumped right in, which is great, into the State of the Union. There's a lot uh, to talk about. Uh, there, I mean, it's it's actually an amazing thing because instead of um, the speech being uh, like a like a debate where you're in two minute soundbite chunks and in, and um, you know where where the uh, topics are decided 
based on certain demographics and things. This is there, a lot of that exists in the State of the Union as well. But this is a good hour chunk of the president just laying out a sweeping vision for how the country should be. And we'll get there in a second. Let me let me read um, uh, Evelyn H. E V E L I E N H wrote. I'm wondering. Oh wait, wait. Uh, she wrote. I have a question, but don't think you know the answer. Exclamation point. That's so mean. No, no, no. How no, does no, she know? No. She knows exactly what she's doing. Well, she was right. I mean, she's, I kind of know. I, yeah. I know anecdotally, but I don't know. Uh, no, it's perfect. You tell Sean he doesn't have an answer. You know what you're going to get? Yeah, an answer. <laughs> it may not be right, but by God, I'm going <laughs> to give it. Um, it says, I have a question, but don't think you know the answer. What happens to your nationality when a country splits up into several? Hmm. So what first comes to mind? my mind is the Balkans. Uh, when the Soviet Union fell, you know, are you Georgian? Are you, uh, I don't know if Ukrainian, my, my, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but because I don't, my geography is probably not that great, but, um, but the, you know, do people have to declare, I think what, ha what happens is you have to declare, you, you know, I'm a Georgian or I'm a member of the, you know, Russian Republic. And depending on what you, it's it, you look at some of the African countries, what happens when the, uh, uh, when it was, was the Congo and then it became the, um, the United, the, uh, oh my gosh, my brain is just not working today. Um, anyhow, do people, when the government dissolves because, uh, it's, uh, you know, whether it's a deposed or revolution or something like that, I mean, what, what do, uh, you know, what, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm what I, my answer to her was mm. as follows, uh, it was great question. Depends on where. I Eastern Europe, Africa, the Middle East. And then I said I'd love talking to anyone who's had this uh, experience. You know, our mother just became an Irish citizen. Ooh. Did you know that? I did. Irish bring the orange so. Green clover. <laughs> Yellow moonbeams. Uh, the moonbeams aren't as interesting. I started telling my kids a, a, a book. Maybe I shouldn't say it here. No, but boy. It, it had to do with... Uh, no, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. Ah, that was a tease. That was a tease. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. In the next six months to 60 years, someone may put out a book that is really funny. Uh, but anyhow, the uh, she became... She uh, filed. She bought a piece of land in Ireland. Uh, I think it was like one square foot by one square foot. It was one of those things like where you can buy a star and name it yours. She bought a thing. And I'm not sure if it was on the strength of that or uh, her mother or her grandmother's uh, uh, was born in Ireland. I think mom is second generation. That's right, Boyle. That's it. That's it. Great. No, that's Scottish. Um, anyhow, so so she's a dual citizen. We've worked a lot uh, with uh, in Canada and with uh, good Canadian friends uh, who have dual citizenship. Uh, and so they are able, for example, to work uh, in both in Canada and the U.S. as uh, as full citizens so they can, you know, for example, in the film industry, for example, since that's what I know, um, you know, certain number of actors, a, a, a director, certain people in the superstructure of the show, the producers or whatever, the writers have to be. Uh, Canadian in order for the Canadian government to kick in their very large share of the budget or tax rebates or whatever. Uh -huh. So, which is good. You'd think, you know, if you, if my, if I, if my country, uh, Sean 
Mania. <laughs> Uh, Sean Landia was uh, was going to give uh, money for people to bring business here. I'd want to ensure that the people in my business got to uh, <laughs> got to work. Can you hear Max's head exploding on that one? The People's uh, Democratic Republic of Sean. There you go. Oh, I, I want to be more tyrannical than that. Now, oh, of course, most of the People's Republics are, you know, governed by people who are not. Uh, solely interested in the welfare of all of the people. What do you mean? It's a, sort of a calculated misnomer? Yeah, the the, the, liber, the People's Liberation Front. It's like, whoa. Um, but anyhow, so so you can choose to be a natural citizen. I would think in a lot of cases, if your government, if the government that you've been living under dissolves for whatever reason, like I know that um, uh, Mike Tell, my, my biological father, has uh, gave me when we, we first kind of interacted with each other, uh, kind of in my adult life, uh, he gave me this bill, this Mexican-ish bill, and uh, he said he's a newsman, and he he said that he always keeps this uh, note, this bank note, not bank, whatever you know, this this piece of currency in his wallet because there was one time that he went in, he was in Mexico, and he he uh, he went into the in a, into a canoe out into the water. And then some kids sort of floated up, and they were selling, you know, whatever it was, tchotchkes, drinks, what, what have you, knickknacks, knickknacks, sure, odds and ends, this and that. And uh, and so he went to purchase it. And when he pulled, you know, he had a little money in his whatever swimsuit, and he pulled it out and handed it to them. And they looked at him, and they wouldn't take it because sometime between when he had gotten that money from the airport and he had been in the water, that president was no longer in office. <laughs> so that currency was no longer recognized. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of, and he th he's like, well, you always got to stay current with what's, uh, with what's happening. And, and I guess, uh, as regards one's nationality, uh, it, it's probably, it's probably the same. I can imagine people's passports. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember if it was, um, oh, this bet one of the movies nominated for best picture, um, Argo. You know wh who? Um, I guess the the Shaw had been uh, uh, over oh, had been uh, uh, the uh, in Iran. The transition with the Shaw had yes. taken place, yes. and uh, and, and now the yeah the the government was uh, and inst who was installed the Shah was installed Khomeini. Ayatollah was installed right so he uh, so there was a, a people's passports were no longer. Uh, we're, we're, became into greater question. Man, I'm like off my game today. Anyhow, um, so if anybody knows the answer to that question uh, based on their personal experience, call into the show. The phone number for the show is area code 323-622-8623. If you tweet about it real quick, I'll retweet it out there because I really would love to have somebody call in. Um, let's. Uh, there are a couple of other things that are happening in the news. Last week when we sat down here, um, f uh, a former or disgraced uh, ex-police officer, is it Chris Dornan? Christopher. Christopher Dornan. Uh, Dorner. Dorner. Dorner, sorry. Dorner had gone, uh, had gone. AWOL. Had, yeah, allegedly killed uh, two people in a parking garage and then uh, at a park so uh, at a stop sign, ambushed another police officer, sent one to the hospital, killed another one. Uh, and then his burning car, and th this was before. This was like right as that was happening when we were on the air last week, and um, and then a a siege uh, or a manhunt. Uh, it, they they kept saying it was the largest manhunt in Los Angeles uh, history. Yeah, because he was such a big guy. 
He's a large man. He was, in fact, a large man. Um, but also, I think maybe what they meant is that because the guy in his manifesto, which I don't think I read any of on the air, but I read it right before we went on the air, um, and we talked about manifesto, um, he uh, he named by name a more than a handful, a, a large number of people that he uh, that were police officers or family members related to police officers or people associated with the review board or something, as I loosely understand it, uh, that uh, that that sort of overturned his claims or, or ruled against the claims he was making about police, uh, uh, you know, mis mis deeds and uh and and so the the LAPD had to offer protection specifically to those officers and families and others who had been named so you know that's a huge commitment of resources uh i have a phone number calling in uh hopefully someone can set me straight about the ayatollah or the cops or uh hello this is Sean Aston you are live on the air who's this Hello, hello. Well, there, uh, there are things ticking. Can you hear them? Hello? Nope, they're gone. Okay, or the State of the Union, which we'll be getting into. But um, anyhow, so we in the it's been a seven day. It was a seven day siege, which ended uh, in Big Bear uh, Lakes and Big Bear Mountain with the um, the. Uh, of the big firefight, and then the um, and then a fire that burned down the house that the guy had gone that uh, Christopher had gone into uh, to uh, to barricade himself in and whatnot. Yes, they had door in a corner. Uh, okay, so so that the, I sort of wanted to just that that was a huge news all week long here, and I think it was national news. I know that the guy had sent uh, packages to different newscasters, and and one that he sent to CNN for uh, for Anderson Cooper, and I didn't see it last night, but apparently he dedicated his whole hour last night to um, you know what I heard his very beginning of his thing when he s described it as uh, you know Hollywood couldn't have written a more um, you know, kind of action-packed and compelling and, and disastrous uh, series of events. He ended up the guy ended up killing another police officer and wounding another one in the shootout up in uh, in Big Bear. And then uh, it took a day or, or a little less than a day for the fire to uh, to burn itself out and for the um, charred remains of uh, what I don't believe this coroner has officially said is uh, is Dorner. But but anyhow, there is, of course, some controversy associated with it. Uh, apparently, the guy, uh, there are some people on the Internet who um, uh, are very sympathetic to Christopher Dorner. And in fact, I was talking to a nurse who was uh, was basically, you know, uh, not advocating for the guy's kind of rogue, violent, uh, you know, spree that he went on, but saying that he had, uh, that his claims uh, initially had merit. And then she went on to say that her husband was an LAPD officer. And she kind of just slipped that in there when we were talking. And I, afterwards, I went back and I said, so what does your husband think of your, the sympathy you have for this guy? And she thought for a minute and she said, well, he thinks that it's worth looking into. Hmm. So um, the the immediate controversy surrounding it was how did the fire at the cabin start? Because it was my opinion from the second I heard what the guy was doing was that he would never see the uh, inside of a courtroom. That when you kill police officers, the police officers are uh, 
you know, that, that sometimes respond with uh, excessive force. Um, so, uh, so I don't know if that's the case here. The, the footage that was shown on television, the, the kind of running gun battle, uh, was awful. And so if I was in that situation, I would have used deadly force too. So, um, but you know, what started the fire? Was it the tear gas canisters? Was it the grade of tear gas, can, tear gas canister that they shot into the place that started the fire? Supposedly there was one gunshot as the fire started. So was it to the guy commit suicide? One would think that either, you know, who, who knows the speculation it's a, it's a, a parlor game to, to speculate, but I guess what I'm, Curious about uh, Mac and Johnny, since I know you guys fought. You you saw a lot of that, didn't you, Johnny? Yeah, I watched a lot of it. So, I'm actually very interested in this. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of conspiracies going around on the internet about you know what happened with this guy. Why did the police burn it down? I mean, how come with the, all the mass shootings that were going on with like James Holmes and everything, these guys got a trial date yet? There's audio evidence saying. Burn the place down, smoke them out, get them out, burn it down, just burn everything down. See if you can pull that sound up. The uh, the the I heard a lot, I heard some of that sound too. Yeah, there was uh, the police, uh, the the San Bernardino uh, public affairs person was, um, you know, talked about the kind of standard language that associate that they associate with what they call deploying that particular asset. I love the way they the the euphemistic way that people talk but but uh they shoot this particular there's several different types of tear gas and one of the kinds of tear gas that they put uh put in there is uh highly flammable the canister gets real hot right and that can catch stuff on fire things you know yeah things that it comes into contact with can you hear that it's not loud enough in my ear i don't think that I don't think people can hear well enough. Anyhow, the 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 nomenclature. If I was, I keep. I don't know if it's because uh, I've been spending some time doing mock trial stuff um, that I'm looking through thing at things through kind of a litigious prism these days. But one of the things I was thinking of, if I was Dorner's attorney, defense attorney, if he would have uh, been, you know, you know, I think he was charged, but whatever, if he would have been uh, tried, would be, you know, to kind of go at the manifesto was this really his manifesto was everything that was written in the manifesto uh accurately attributable to him and then you know i would have probably gone and wanted to see if the two people who were killed in the parking lot you know to see if there you could poke holes in that uh crime scene um you know it's entirely possible that it is his you know, manifesto that he did kill those people, that he did ambush those cops, the truck that was burned and whatever, that all those things uh, happen the way uh, the news reports and the police say that they happened. But as a, that would be that would that would likely be the, the argument I would pose. If I was arguing for the prosecution, I would probably look at that language that was used, burn it, burn it, um, not, uh, you know, as uh, you know, meaning shoot it, mm -hmm. you know, you know, bur burn that burn that weapon, fire that weapon, unload, you know, shoot that, whatever it is. Um, I mean, there were some in the 9-11 conspiracy uh, universe, 
there was a lot of question regarding Building 7, mm-hmm. which came down in what is clearly a controlled demolition, and I'll take, you know, that to my grave. And anybody wants to argue with me on that, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're wrong, um, is what I would be the position I would hold. But there was, there was questions about whether it was, uh, you know, a choice that was made by the owner of the building. Larry Silverstein be- did make the decision to pull it. Well, but I, I don't know if that meant what the people say they mean. He, he said pull it, which in controlled demolition speak means pull the building down, yeah. you know, knock it down, put, you know, fire the, uh, you know, set the chain of events that the that, that demolition goes. Um, but, you know, pull it, could it have me, it meant, you know, the fire crew that was going in there, pull it, pull it, pull that crew out. Could have meant it could have meant any number of things. It's to me inconclusive what what that utterance meant. Um, the statements by you know the first time I heard the statements by the the uh, I, I think they were sheriffs the San Bernardino sheriffs. Mm-hmm. I always try and get that right because there's a difference between uh, city police and sheriffs. And there was also the uh, park and park uh, fishing wildlife or something like that. They were the first ones to engage him and so they forth. Spotted. They spot. Did they? They were in the. They were the first ones in the shootout, right or no? Uh, yeah. They. One of the. One of the uh, game and fishing guys saw him driving down in the stolen. I think purple pickup, and then that's when uh, they turned around, and then that's when he shot at them, and then he veered off of the road, and ended up stealing another car after that. All right. Well, the so the first uh, when they played the footage from the helicopter, the first thing you saw was the white smoke. Uh, that was that was Which, billowing up. If I'm not mistaken, means that we have elected a new pope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's that. Yeah, there's that. There's that another one. issue. We have. Oh. <laughs> My fellow Americans. Oh no. I. That's another one. I heard that the pope said today that he's going to withdraw completely from uh, public life and. Uh, his his turn is ter- so what is it, the first time in hundreds of years that a pope has stepped up? Six hundred right, years. Yes, yes. First time in six hundred years that the pope has withdrawn completely. As far as we know. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Terrible. From the Terrible. Of Pope. I do not. The vo- the views expressed by some of the people <laughs> of this show are not mine. <laughs> uh, so so anyhow, just to put a button on it. When I first heard the uh, the the Dorner mm-hmm. issue uh, for the sake of this show, the uh, when I heard that thing the first time when they said burn it, burn it, burn it. It seemed pretty clear to me that uh, that they were, you know, intentionally setting the thing on fire. And then, as I listened to the explanation from the the public affairs folks, and then listened to it again, I kind of rethought it. And like, well, I could see how that uh, they would mean that the the dispatcher was kind of repeating what they were saying. So, um, but isn't that what's been happening this entire time with Dorner? It's you know, one thing happens that the police do- does, and then it's covered up by another thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, are we By are we else you know PD, LAPD? Are we still in a rampart uh, posture? And the uh, rampart division was uh, was uh, notable for its extraordinary corruption. I mean, LAPD historically. I mean, one of my favorite movies is L.A. Confidential. You know, Rolo Tomasi. Rolo Tomasi. Yeah, the one who gets away with it. So uh, you know, it's it's fun uh, noir cinema to talk about what LAPD does. And and I know from having visited. Um, County prison facility or ca- county jail facilities here that I certainly want to wouldn't want to be in jail uh, for any number of reasons, but not the least of which is you know y- the the relationship that the inmates uh, have with the with the you know p- 
police who, or the the, the people, their jailers is is uh, is 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 tense to say the least. And and uh, you know when people are in a violent confrontation, you know, uh, self defense, you know, restraint is challenged. So so anyhow, I mean, I generally err on the side of trusting the police because I want to be able to pick up the call 911 and when they're if I'm in trouble I want you know if there's I want them patrolling the streets and doing their job and, and keeping us citizens safe so my my knee-jerk thing is to want to take uh, you know at first blush take their side at the same time I think that as a citizen and this is where it interacts with the politics of a show like this when is the citizenry supposed to get involved when is the citizenry supposed to demand that action be taken you know no justice no peace is a uh, is a is a rally cry uh, by people who have been uh, mistreated it's also the rally cry of you know people who are cowards and just bored or for whatever reason want to cause mischief so uh, you know a, 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 con a concerned citizen such as yourself mr. ice uh, is well within your rights to question things well within your as in my estimation well mm -hmm. within your rights to uh, to facilitate discussion um, you know it's hard because if you refrain from making judgments you know not if you don't rush to judgment then likely it's hard to get anything going in terms of momentum for having some miscarriage of justice righted so it's a it's an alchemy that is uh, hard to hard to navigate but um, it sounds to me like you're hardcore up to seeing the uh, the media uh, investigate more thoroughly as Dorner Absolutely. requested in his treatise his is uh, what do we call it? his manifesto mm -hmm. and Je uh, chief Beck actually said that they were going to look into it. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I, 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 believe I don't mean completely. to be cynical, but, you know, <laughs> yes, well, well, it reminds me of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when uh, when he goes, well, who's looking after the Ark? And the guy's like, top people. He's like, who? Top people. You're like, OK, <laughs> top yeah. men, top men, top men. Sorry, top men are looking into it. But anyhow, so hopefully the uh, internal review board or whatever it's called that, uh, that you know it's political it's uh, it has to be there's no other way for it to be and that's not necessarily a critical comment it, it is it requires the independent judgments of people and you know this is why it's so important to pay attention to who you elect because if you try and find somebody who really would want to get to the bottom of this who want to understand the system well enough to be able to navigate it on behalf of you know, truth, justice, in the American way. Uh, y you know, you may you may have a slightly better shot. Uh, there's certainly never a guarantee, but a slightly better shot at having justice be done. And you know, it's why we have civilian leadership of the armed forces, uh, so that the public can uh, hire an independent person to be critical of the way the military runs, uh, if it if that's what needs to happen. And it's why uh, a mayor who is elected by the people uh, has to work closely with the. Uh, the police department. I never like it when I always like it when I see the mayors come out and support the police department and thank the police department, thank the families for the sacrifices that they go through, uh, express uh, you know heartache and mourning for people who've been lost in the line of duty and for other innocent life that's been lost. Um, at the same time, sometimes mayors look a little scared to me. They look a little scared because when they go in their little mayoral uh, caravan. Uh, it's it's cops who are in front of them and behind them. It's cops who they get out of the you know they they are uh, at the mercy 
uh, in many ways to the police department that they are meant to be overseeing. And so uh, it really does require a certain kind of courage to be able to um, say what you uh, think and, what, and state what you believe and fight for what you uh, – Should you feel as if you're at the mercy of your police department though? No, you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't feel. No, that. you shouldn't. Yeah. But this is a there's there should and there's what is, mm-hmm. and you know there are there are you know mayors are hired for their brass. You know mm-hmm. you, you want to hire a mayor who who you have something in common with, who shares your values, who you think understands the system, who can help improve the quality of life in your in your town, who can help keep it. The number one job of a mayor is to help keep the the town safe. I'd say I'd I'd like to elect mayor, without a doubt. Who do you elect mayor? Superman? Oh, no, Indy. <laughs> Can you play it louder? Oh, hey, we got a call coming in. <laughs> hey, this is Sean Ashton. You're on the air. Who's this? All right, hang in there. Don't go anywhere. We're trying to get your audio straight. I'm trying to adjust it from down here. Does that mean anything? No. No? He's there. Hello? Seven six five. I hear you. Uh, I'm sorry that we can't. Uh, that we can't. I mean, I don't hear. I see that you're calling, but I cannot hear you. So I apologize. Um, Johnny, is there anything else we can do? Who? Who's that? I hear you. S- speak up. Okay, we're gonna hang up. I think I could hear the person fixing their phone or fiddling with their phone. But anywho, um, so no, you should not. A mayor should not be the. A city should not be afraid of its police department and a – oh, we've got another call coming in here. Hello, this is Sean. You're on Vox Populi. Who is this? This is Johnny testing the phone. <laughs> Johnny, what's your – go ahead. Why are you calling? Uh, okay, so it Sorry. works. Yes, it does it works. work. Okay. Wow, that was a high-tech test. Anyhow, I think part of the problem is, particularly in the African-American and Latino communities in Los Angeles uh, and basically all low-income communities, the, uh, there's higher crime rate, and so uh, there is more direct interaction with police, and, uh, and a lot of times the police are in a uh, defensive posture because they're going into a more uh, you know, combative uh, environment. And, uh, and, and so you, what you have is a recipe for people uh, who, are, who really feel intimidated by their police, uh, who are intimidated by the police. You know, oftentimes police do the wrong thing. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the mayor is an extension of the police department. And maybe, you know, a scared populace hires an even angrier mayor. I don't, I don't know. Um, but c- civic... The civic arena, I mean, it's very immediate. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a lady, an African-American lady who uh, I was working with at a rental car place the other day, and um, her opinion about the whole Chris Dorner thing was that it was a distraction, mm-hmm. was that uh, it was it was one of any number of, um, you know, hot-button breaking news stories that everybody gets fired up about and pays close – I mean, I paid close attention to it, such as it was, but uh, – but then you kind of take your eye off of the other ball, which uh, maybe is a segue to the State of the Union because the State of the Union Sorry, is – you like that? Yeah. Uh, feel free to keep talking about Dorner if you want. But um, uh, the State of the Union, conversely, mm-hmm. is meant to be a sweeping overlay of uh, an elected president's view of 
the condition of the country and uh, and and where where it maybe should go. Um, I want to read. Did I lose it? Hmm. You never had it. I never had it to begin with. Hey, um, there's breaking news uh, out of the uh, the Illinois Senate. Tell me. Uh, courtesy of a tweet from the intrepid chronicler of yours, Linda Iroff. The Illinois Senate has approved gay marriage. And she links to an article in the Chicago Tribune, Tribune which uh, can only mean that it's true. So uh, if you're looking to get hitched and you're, uh, you're into the same sex, check out Illinois. Um, all right. Well, that is um, – that conversation will continue. Actually, there was only one real mention of it in the State of the Union that I heard. Mm. Uh, and I think it had to do with uh, – I don't want to get this wrong. But I think it had to do with health benefits. Um, well, that's reasonable. I think, yeah. Um, what I'm, what I want to read is the uh, little bit in the Constitution that uh, that talks about what the State of the Union is. It's very short. State of the Union in the Constitution, uh, Article Two, Section Three of the United States Constitution reads as following: He shall, from time to time, give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be a jerk here, but that sounds really sexist to me. Uh, I was wondering that myself, that when, uh, when a woman is uh, ultimately elected president, which is just a matter of time, uh, if they will go back and um, amend that? I, I think at the very... In contracts, a lot of times what they do is they'll say they'll have a little thing at the end that says, you know, in any place where this pronoun is, is read singular, it is meant to be understood to be plural. Or what, like three fifths? Right. Nice. Sorry. You're crazy. You're crazy. He's, he's going after the Pope. He's going after uh, gay rights. He's going after the uh, Linda, slavery. I mean, there's I, just no stopping. I this need kid. to correct myself. I mispronounced Linda's name, and I apologize, Linda Iroff. I was uh, Iroff. I was not aware. Um, well, I'm sure Linda okay. will understand when I get back to reading Article Two, Section Three, the Executive Branch of the State of the Union convening Congress. Sorry, Linda. He shall, from time to time, give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses or either of them, and in case of disagreement between them, with respect to the time of uh, blah blah blah, it goes on. <laughs> it's the Constitution. What Just yada yada the Constitution. Yada, yada. I wanted to read the part that says it's his job to come before Congress and say what's up with the country and to say what he thinks should be done with it. So uh, is, the, is that what he did last night? Is that what, Tuesday. Is that what took place or Tuesday night? Tuesday. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair reading of what he did. Um, here is uh, here's how he opened it. He opened it with the following quote. I believe this is the opening quote. Here you go. coming 51 years ago john f kennedy declared mm -hmm. to this chamber that the constitution makes us okay i'm gonna back it up here you 51 go. years 51 years ago john f kennedy declared to this chamber that the constitution makes us not rivals for power but partners for progress 
It is my task, he said, to report the State of the Union. To improve it is the task of us all. All right, so my general thoughts about the uh, about the State of the Union. First of all, I was a little um, – I mean, uh, I always try and you know kind of put out there in, in interest of uh, full disclosure that I'm a Democrat, that I support President Obama, uh, and m- many of the tenets and, and approaches that he have, has to working are, are, are ones that I um, would like to associate myself with. Uh, but the purpose of this show is to um, is to try and be fair, to try and invite in uh, different opinions. Um, well, that's opinions your opinion. of all sides. Yes, it is my opinion. That's my opinion. But I thought it was boring. Qua? Borang with a B-O-R-A-N-G. It was just boring. Boring? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a few moments that were uh, evocative, a few moments that were things that jumped out as sort of like, oh, that's – not only is that um, – well, I don't think there was much new, but there was uh, – but it was certainly things that seemed more striking. The 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 – the most obvious that jump into my mind are uh, three things. One was his call for uh, a minimum wage increase to nine dollars. I think, you know, to my recollection, the best of my recollection, the uh, it's the highest that any president has recommended it goes. Clinton recommended it, I think, and I th- it might have even gotten sh- uh, upgraded when he was there, but uh, never to nine dollars, at least in my memory. Well, it's, I mean, that's that makes sense to me. I mean, shouldn't. Shouldn't the minimum wage keep going? Gas prices certainly don't go down. Well, he made a point in the State of the Union saying that it should keep up with the rate of inflation well, so people could afford to uh, live. There's nothing boring about that. You know, he kept saying that people who are working a full-time job, you know, should uh, should be able to, uh, should be able to, to you know, survive. Yeah, so um, Pay the rent. Pay the rent. So, so that was one. Was the, and there's a whole lot of us. So, and, and, and yet that's nothing new. Presidents, uh, Democratic presidents historically are, uh, you know, always throw that out there. And then once in a while it gets there. I feel like the, the, uh, the zeitgeist is such that the Congress will uh, improve it, at, you know, a little bit. I mean, I, it just, you can just sort of read the tea leaves or, or, uh, or sort of guess at what you think is going to happen, which is what I, I guess what we all do. But I, uh, I'm always right, which is interesting. Uh, okay, I'm not always right. <laughs> I'm rarely right, but that's not the point. I have a radio show and it's got my picture on it, so uh, let's just pretend I'm right. You know so, what, what? What you say? What you said about uh, it sounding familiar <clears throat> was uh, borne out in uh, one of the top ten best tweets from the 2013 State of the oh. Union, as compiled by RightWingNews.com. Michael Graham at I M M Graham says, "Want to get really depressed?" Google last year's State of the Union and read it. Then listen to the same crap tonight, knowing Obama doesn't mean a word. Well, okay. So that's one of the most po- – okay, so most the top ten most popular based on a right-wing group. Do you have something there that says the top ten Because I asked people what they thought of it, and one person was like, the guy's a liar. I hope God intervenes. And you're like, I'm pretty sure that's like an insinuation of uh, assassination that you're not allowed to make. Speaking um, of Ted Nugent, he was there too. Uh, that's right. <laughs> let, me, let me just read you this, uh, this quick little clip. Uh, where did it go? Oh, yes. All that brouhaha over Ted Nugent, you know, the guy who threatened to kill President Obama, getting invited to the State of the Union by Representative Steve Stockman out of Texas. The hard-talking, pants-pooping rocker was seldom seen throughout the evening, but the one photo of Nugent that did make the rounds was publicized not from Stockman's camp, but rather from that of Representative Earl Blumenauer, Democrat out of Oregon, the congressman who invited Nugent's seatmate, 
Portland musician Thomas Lauderdale. Lauderdale, best known for founding the little orchestra known as Pink Martini, is the anti-Ted Nugent, a liberal Occupy movement supporting openly gay civil rights activists who favors gun control and loves classical music. <laughs> they sat him right next to Nugent. But for all those uh, all their differences, the two did apparently manage to find common ground, and according to Lauderdale, at least had a pretty pleasant chat. I was not totally expecting to be seated next to Ted Nugent at the State of the Union, but it was incredible. We, talk <laughs> we talked about hunting in Texas and Michigan, growing up that he was inspired by uh, Dick Dale and later by the British Invasion bands of the mid-60s, the Yardbirds, the Rolling Stones. He only tours in the summers. <clears throat> this is Nugent, uh, yada, yada. But he's probably the only, only celebrity who carries his own machine gun. Anyway, uh, it was great to see Nugent there and great to see uh, <clears throat> Thomas Lauderdale seated next to him. I thought that was quite representative. T tell me more about Nugent. Tell me more about Ted Nugent. More about Ted Nugent? Yeah, tell me. Break him down for me. Break him down for you? I don't think you can break Nugent down, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Let's go back to the um, the quote that we, from the Twitter, uh, one of the top ten Twitter quotes from the, from the Republican side of things. Mm -hmm. um, he, he said two things in there. One he said was everything the guy's saying identical, and the second thing he says was which means he doesn't mean a word of it. So I'm not sure where the, what's amusing about that, except that if a guy says what he means, doesn't get what he wants, and so says it again, I don't see how that's. Uh, I think that's a, a kind of silly slander and distracting, but I guess looks good in a tweet. Um, Okay, so give me another one. Give me another one of the uh, top ten best tweets from the 2013 State of the Union as compiled by RightWingNews.com. Wait, Obama's proposing immediate action on shovel-ready infrastructure projects? We already did that four years ago. Did it work? Um, I, I mean, the shovels are still ready. That's good. I don't know if they've been put in the ground um, as of yet. Uh, well, no, I think a lot – I think in the stimulus bill, I think in the stimulus bill there was, uh, I don't know, what, $800 million that was uh, that the government spent or invested depending on how you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and some number of millions was uh, dog-eared for that. And then the, the, the knock on it was that a lot of the shovel-ready projects were not in fact shovel-ready. And so to use that word again is uh, you know, kind of failing to acknowledge the problems. But uh, I don't remember that part of the speech, so I can't... Uh, Here's one out of Ari Fleischer, a name you might be familiar with. Oh, sure. With. Former press secretary under the Bush White House. Ari Fleischer tweets, His droning is starting to kill me, and I'm an American citizen. Many layers to that one yeah. from Mr. Fleischer. Many, many layers. <laughs> Let's can, you read it? can you read it again? Ari Fleischer tweets, His droning is starting to kill me. And I'm an American citizen. Wow. You see what Ari's getting at there? <laughs> That's hilarious. See what he's getting at there? It's, actually, the, uh, it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's not bad. This guy uh, could have a future in the press. Well, I mean, just thinking that drone attacks started under the Bush administration's uh, war, or the U.S. war in Afghanistan, that he had to stand at the lectern and defend, for example, drone attacks on... Uh, certain key targets that missed and killed entire families of you know at, at a wedding and this sort of thing. So the fact that he would make that joke is uh, wow. Um, I mean, it's it's clever. I love witticisms. I like you know juxtaposing words and playing on ideas and everything. But you know, I would think that that guy would have to be slightly more 
judicious in his uh, rhetoric and his, his Twitteric. Can you have Twitteric? Is that like I think rhetoric? you're uh, mistaking him for having a conscience. I actually like the guy. I actually like uh, listening to him. I, I think um, his analysis a lot of times is uh, is really cogent and illuminating. And and uh, I think he just I think he just I was going to say misfire. But every time we deal with like weapons and stuff, it's so easy to uh, to pun on the violence. But anyhow. Um, so, okay, so I was saying three things. One was raising the minimum wage. And for some reason, I can't find on my top ten list of uh, uh, quotes here the one that talks about um, that. Actually, there's a fourth one that talks about the, the raising the minimum wage. But he was very – he was very um, – the, the over, overarching message that Obama had in his State of the Union was essentially one of uh, – and, and this, I think, would – is the, is what – most Republicans attack him for it. I'm not attacking. I'm just. I just think it's honest and fair to say that he thinks that the the uh, depth and breadth of the government's uh, reach into the uh, into the country should be uh, stronger, more intense, and more effective. For example, the second one that I was going to mention is uh, universal pre-K was something that he wanted to uh, – that he felt very strong about and it seemed like he had some momentum for, which was to uh, ensure that all uh, – you know, kind of like – I mean public school starts in the first grade. So he's just saying uh, that preschool should be, uh, you know, a state. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds fishy to me. I think it's just an attempt to indoctrinate the children younger into his fascist Nazi Muslim uh, conspiracy uh Paradigm. I'm trying to think. Are you like my Baba Booey? <laughs> that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Are you like? I mean, you're not my Robin Given. You do occasionally report the news, which is which is good. Uh, no, I, I, you are. Uh, I think people like you better than they like me listening to this show because well, it is a contest. We know that, and you're winning. So, dang it. Let's, do, let's. We should have the state of the podcast address. State of the state of the podcast. Oh no, 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 no. I, in fact, I'm going to have to behave like a dictator who right, knows that the country's run so poorly <laughs> that I'm going to have to crush down the media and not allow it free, you know, free freedom of speech. The president of Vox Populi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy, I want to take that and run with it. You know, for example, I think that uh, that it's just silly when the presidents stand up and lecture Congress about how important it is they work together and then spend the next hour saying a bunch of things that they know are completely rejected by half of the people sitting in the room in such a manner as to, to you know, cow them or shame them or or uh, whatever. So I think Obama's pretty good and uh, relatively speaking at at, uh, at at least shaving off the the. Uh, the, the the teeth, at least the most visible teeth of what he's saying. But but uh, the fact is, when people talk about socialism and they talk about Obama, I think that what we saw last night was the most authentic Obama of uh, his uh, presidential career, um, because he's got nothing to lose, and so he wants to make sure that you know and sue the guy. Uh, he was elected by a clear majority by a substantial majority and the guy thinks that you know poor people should be looked after old people should not have their stuff touched the uh you know but it, the devil's in the details will you throw up real quick the uh u.s debt clock dot org um while i say a couple of the other points so the minimum wage the uh universal pre-k 
uh, he went on about – there was a really emotional thing that he did about voting rights. And uh, he pointed to this 100-plus-year-old woman, uh, African-American woman, who had been made to wait for six hours at her polling place uh, by what can only be described as, um, I don't know, a-holes. Sorry. Well, you just don't make an old person wait around like that. I mean, you know, you've earned the right to jump to the front of the line. And if you're at the front of the line and they make you wait that long because they're – I don't know. I don't know what the specific story is, but but Obama used her um, particular um, anecdotal experience to amplify that you know the country still has a long way to go to make sure that that the that elections are held freely and fairly in this country. So that was pretty pretty good. He went into um, an immigration debate. Um, boy, I was picking out two or three, but now I'm listing them all. Oh, he did um, he did a climate change thing. He basically said, uh, you know, he started listing off all of the storms, all of the floods, all of the wildfires, all of the the tornadoes and hurricanes, and and just listing. He, he said, you know, that 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 eight of the the I think I'm getting this correct, correct but I could be wrong. But uh, eight of the top ten most destructive um, storms, weather's no, 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 year, uh, you know. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Twisters, hurricanes. No, years in climate. Like of the years on record where climate has been measured, the eight of the top most severe have happened in the last, I think, 10 or 14 How or something. about that? Like We're getting better at it. So, the, so he, I thought he just made a very kind of unapologetic and, uh, and, and powerful uh, claim that got a row, you know, huge support. You know, it's so funny. Our, my kid was watching it. Uh, the, it was the eight-year-old who was watching it and uh, with me for a little bit. And uh, the people all cheered. And then uh, the president said something else, and they all cheered again. And she snapped her head around and looked at me and said, they just cheered for that. Why are they cheering for the same thing again? You know, and it was, I was like, well, because they're supposed to, because this is political theater, and that's what happens. You, you're meant to cheer when the president stops, you know, emphatically or with, with, you know, purpose. That's when we're all meant to cheer. And, uh, um, but aside from seeing um, uh, now Secretary Kerry, um, Secretary of State John Kerry. Uh, among the cabinet people walk in, which is notable to me because as long as I've been watching State of the Union, the guy's been a senator. Uh, and then he was a presidential um, um, uh, uh, candidate, um, nominee, major party nominee. Uh, and now he's, uh, he's in the uh, – he's, he's a member of a, of a larger cabinet. So uh, I, that, I thought that was striking to see him walking like that. The fact that Leon Panetta was there, I'm not sure if he had finished his tenure – as Secretary of Defense, or if he's just about to finish it, but it just brought up what is another uh, big political issue of the day right now, which is that uh, Hagel, Chuck Hagel, who is the uh, president's current nominee for Secretary of Defense, uh, has had a very uh, embattled nomination process. So for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, uh, basically, in order to serve in the president's cabinet, where they have the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State and Secretary of Agriculture and Health and Human Services and all these kinds of things, uh, the president is not allowed to just appoint them. The president appoints them, but then the Senate has to confirm them. The Senate has what's called the uh, advise and consent uh, mandate, which is to uh, basically uh, hustle through anybody they like and grill the heck out of and impede anybody they don't like. And uh, and right now, Chuck Hagel's has so there's some questions about finances in his past and some other other issues that uh, in statements that he's made in other testimony. So r- Democrats want to vote him in right now. Republicans are slowing it down. But it may be the first time in history 
according to uh, NPR that I was listening to today. Uh, and again, I always qualify everything I say because I could be wrong about everything and anything. But but they uh, they said that it's the first time that um, the country will have gone uh, without a an active. Uh, you know, without a, a without a secretary of state, sworn in secretary of state. What usually happens when when there's a post unfilled like that is you'll have the acting secretary or the undersecretary who fills in for it. But but it was uh, no. When I saw Leon Panetta walking down there as a kind of political junkie, I sort of thought, oh wow, I wonder if he's supposed to be there or if uh, if Hegel's supposed to be there. So um, the climate change question was big. Uh, he maybe I should play a quick little hmm. hit of that. Um, and, and immigration, he sort of tried to shame the Republicans in it. But here's the uh, issue of elevating climate change uh, in the discussion. I urge this Congress to get together, pursue a bipartisan market-based solution to climate change, like the one John McCain and Joe Lieberman worked on together a few years ago. Yeah. The, uh, it stopped. Was that it? <laughs> hey, did you hear how he said market-based? Mm. Um, there's all these little codes in there, and and one of them, you know, the 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 big Republican knock on uh, basically most things that Democrats want to spend money on is that uh, the country can't afford it. Uh, that not only can they afford can't afford the the new spending, they they require cuts in order to balance the budget. So all of which is very reasonable. Um, but when you say market based. He says, let's go for a market-based solution. It means that the government isn't laying out money it doesn't have and that it's not over-regulating uh, the competition that happens between companies. So that generally means that um, large corporations, for example, who are making automobiles that are use, I don't know, whatever different fuel cell technology or uh, whatever's coming up here in the future, that they'll have a better shot at getting uh, contracts and getting their products in the pipeline because uh, the little guy won't be able to compete with them. So, but market-based is a way to say, like, we're not going to get in the way of it. We think it's important enough that we just want you to, you know, m move the move the ball along. So, um, so that's that. We have um, – I, I, I looked up uh, pewresearch.org, and they have a State of the Union 2013 in Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, criticism of – and by the way, the, the overall viewership of the State of the Union was down. It went down uh, substantially from uh, last year and really down from uh, the historic highs that uh, his State of the Union speech, uh, Obama's State of the Union speech garnered in his first year. Historic because of his – he's the first African-American president. So anyway, um, on Twitter, criticism of Obama's State of the Union outpaces praise. Many different issues discussed. So they just have a thumbs up or thumbs down, 58% unfavorable, 42% favorable, according to the Pew Research Center. Uh, they also said the most discussed issues on Twitter during State of the Union are, and then they do one of those word splatter chart things. Go to, if you go to pewresearch.org forward slash 2013 forward slash 02 forward slash 13, you can put up this little blue splatter chart thing. Do you see it? Uh, I'm still on the Pure Research org slash pw oh hold on we got a call here let's see i hope we can actually take this call hello this is sean Aston. you're on vox populi who's this hey sean this is Joe. we've talked talked a couple times on twitter hey there how are you doing pretty good sent you sent you a leak this morning about a gun buyback 
story up here in Seattle. Yeah, I saw I that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my tweets last night, I said I was going to give you a jingle about the uh, minimum wage stuff. Yeah, tell me what you think. Well, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I've seen stories where if it's raised to $9 an hour at the you know federal minimum wage, with the way uh, inflation is, it would give people the buying power of 1981. So that's still way behind the times. Yeah. You know, as far as a person's buying power. Um, Do you buy the argument that if you raise the minimum wage, you make it, uh, you put an obligation on employers that's that's too hard for them? Um, I'm kind of mixed on that. Um, I know when a I, I know when a business has to increase the wages, you know, and something like the minimum what they pay for minimum wage, they tend to pass that off to the consumer. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, that, so, so which would mean that they wouldn't. Washington State, we're supposed to be the. Uh, highest minimum wage in the nation and it's uh, right now it's a, just went up January 1st and it's like $9 even or just a hair above it and uh, you know I've over the years I've either had had supervisors or ran across supervisors that felt raises should be based solely on merit and that's it and that would stir up a debate with me. It's like, what happens every year? Housing costs goes up, fuel prices go up, groceries, clothes, all that go up. That's cost of living. Yeah. The way, the way I look at it is once a year, across the board for, for all your employees or the individual's anniversary of the individual's hire date should get some sort of cost of cost of living increase whether it's a nickel here or a dime there you know a little something and then the more frequent and bigger raises they then base it on merit do you think maybe he was doing the um the kind of bartering you know he's going to ask for nine but he'll settle for something less than that but if you ask for less than that you'll get less kind of a thing um yeah i kind of i kind of sense that and I, you know, I did I did see something the other day that uh, yesterday or you know eleven o'clock news after afterwards uh, after the State of the Union speech where uh, you know dating dating back to the late I think the late sixties they were supposed to it, their minimum wage was supposed to you know continue increasing. What, automatically? I didn't realize that. You know, based, based on inflation and cost of living, it was supposed to continue to increase. But, you know, with all, with all the stuff that happens behind closed doors over there in uh, D.C., stuff like that doesn't, know, doesn't always pan out the way they say it's supposed to pan out. Well, I you know, I thought it was one of the... Um 
it, it, I would I was struck by the way he uh, the way he sort of said it in the State of the Union because it just uh, and maybe I've always felt that way because I, I like the idea of minimum wage going up because I I know when I was uh, working at a movie theater I, I haven't really done what we call normal jobs very much in my life but I did work for a movie theater for a little bit and when I got that check you know every every little you looked at uh, you looked at the stuff they were taking out of it and you just thought well th- you know thank heavens that uh that it, it there's the minimum wage is what it is and oh i wish it was higher and then you heard a president sort of like clinton say hey the minimum wage would be higher and i thought wow you know that would be that would that would mean something that that, that means something to people they it means they can i don't know you know afford you know it's not even that much mac was saying over here my brother was saying that uh that you know basically was making the point that even with an increase to nine bucks it's still really hard to make a living but he, he threw out a statistic that um would you say Mac? 14? If you work full time at minimum wage, uh, you get a yearly income of uh, fourteen grand. About forty hour work week, fifty two weeks a year, whatever. Well, uh, anyhow, all right. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that you called. Do you have another? It, it was. Did you have any other like basic? Th- did you see the State of the Union first of all? Yeah, I, I had it on. You know, and there there's some there's some things. You know, I talked to talked to my my mom after the phone after afterwards and. She goes, come on, you can admit to me if you agree with anything. It's not going to make you a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, whatever, Mom. Well, uh, I, I guess we're never going to understand the fine points of any one of the issues. I mean, uh, if you go to WhiteHouse.gov, they actually had when he when he uh, was talking about the immigration portion of his speech on the right hand side, they listed kind of nine action steps that they thought should be taken, and it's all the same action steps that everybody's been talking about for 20 years that I can remember, at least 15 years that I can remember. Like everybody agrees on it. I don't know why they just do it, but but it was uh, but mostly in the State of the Union, I think we're we're meant to get a, a feeling and a, and a, a flare of it, and and you know it's 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 such it's such political theater. I thought it was moving when he referred to the uh, the victims of gun violence that were there from Sandy Hook, and I think uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but some of the other uh, tragedies. I, I thought um, you know I thought it was very very moving when he when he referred to them. But uh, all right, any last thought before I go to my break here? You know, funny you mention the gun control stuff. I'm not going to get on a, my usual typical frothing at the mouth on, on it. You know, I do think I do agree with some points that there need to be stricter gun laws. But you know, why ban why ban it? You know, the way I look at at it, why why ban a gun? Because guns kill people, make it harder for them to get. Well, the uh, the thing that it seems still have access to it. The the thing that seems to be um, happening at the moment, just trying to read the tea leaves, is that um, banning certain firearms is not going to work. It's not going to go through. But that uh, extended clips and magazines and whatever, and uh, more universal. Uh, background checks, even for the gun shows and so on. I think I think that's where there will be uh, common ground and where there's likely to be uh, movement. And I, I would I would it seems that's I would guess that's a compromise you could live with. Am I right? Yeah, some sort of compromise. And I think uh, some of the some of the experts that uh, the local station up here talked to on that uh, buyback program, I think they touched on that. Some and it's 
you know, there over the weekend there was a. Uh, I was I was actually looking for it this morning. I couldn't remember if it was on Meet the Press or uh, Face the Nation, and I couldn't find it. There was uh, one of the, one of the guests, and he was a legislator. He lived lived down in uh, Texas in one of the uh, southern counties on the on the U.S. Mexico border, and he was saying that as far as as far as uh, banning guns, he just can't necessarily see it. And he commented, you know, by banning an assault rifle up in New Hampshire might be fine, but down there in that that border county that he lives in, when they have all the uh, drug smugglers sneaking across the border that have assault weapons on them. He wants to have that, you know, to be able to protect his family from any of them should something go wrong. He wants to be able to have access to stuff that he can be on equal ground with, with these uh, drug smugglers. Well... Well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know if I'd want to go toe to toe with a drug smuggler, even if I had one of those AR weapons. But the, that it's certainly an understandable feeling that he's got, and it's and it's it's certainly going to have more traction. I would just say two things. One is that uh, the NRA uh, is has put out a reaction to the State of the Union, I believe, earlier today, and uh, and and they go into great de- detail about you know the the potential collapse of civilization and riots, fires, earthquakes, floods, and sounds like it was right of, on target. Uh, other kinds of civil unrest as as being uh, reasons why you know good uh, you know law abiding citizens should have the right to own firearms and it's 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 pouring more fuel on the fire and and there's probably some merit to it and there's probably some things that I would disagree about it but the other uh, the other thing that um, what was my other thing Mac the other uh, oh you wanted to wish everyone a happy Valentine's so we'll get there we'll get there boy you're just always rushing me uh, all right thank you so much for calling and uh, make sure you stay alive with me on the uh, on the Twitter and we'll look forward to hearing from you again. Okay. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us. Wow, we got to uh, nine minutes past the hour. Are the sponsors of the show going to uh, take exception to that phone call, which was good? It's so nice to have somebody call in. Uh, The phone line is working, by the way, Johnny Ice. For those of you who are listening to the show and have so far been uh, unaffiliated, Willing to uh, pick it up and dial it 323-622-8623. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the State of the Union, some of the uh, the details in there, general impressions, some uh, stuff like that. And then Mac is going to read from the phone book. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall. Just to find the thing you wanted. Isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home and style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your subs of briefs. Books on tape. Games galore. Everything you're looking for. Kindle. Cameras. Electronics. Baby Einstein. Hooked on phonics. Blu-ray. Movies. And TV. Download. Music. MP3. Pixar. Disney. Microphone. Pet supplies and doggy bones. World of Warcraft. Nancy Drew. Sims. The Scruff System 2. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping is even free. Are you tired of leaving your home early in the morning to work a job where you feel disrespected, unappreciated, or even abused? Sick of taking orders from a power-tripping boss? If yes, then starting your own online business from home will enable you to change your way of life and choose your own schedule. Become your own boss and experience true freedom. 
Get free training and more details at www.earncashsecrets.com today. Is that hunk of junk you call a car always breaking down and leaving you in the dust? Log on to Dyson-Motors.com and check out Dyson's full inventory online. With hundreds of quality cars in stock of all makes and models, you can find the next car of your dreams in minutes. And know you're getting super low pricing. Purchase a car today from Dyson Motors and receive a year of free oil changes. Bad credit? Worried about financing? Log on and get pre-approved in seconds. Go to Dyson-Motors.com and find your new car today. Feeling down, depressed, just don't feel like getting out of the house anymore? We'll do it anyway. Sounds like it's time. Ticketstime.com, that is. Ticketstime.com has tickets for sports, concerts, and theater just waiting for you to buy. Did your favorite concert sell out? We have tickets at Ticketstime.com. Did you miss your favorite team's last game? Don't miss the next one. Log on to Ticketstime.com. Is there a play you've been dying to see but haven't had the time? Well, make the time at Ticketstime.com. Everyone needs some relaxation time, so remember to make some time at Ticketstime.com. Hey, Toad Hop listeners, the sports guru. And the butt knocker. From the Sportscast, Wednesdays, 4 to 6, Pacific Standard Time. You got to check us out, man. We do sports like nobody else. Cover NHL, NBA, NCAA, NFL. We cover all sports. We got You Got Not the Fuck Out, Bonehead of the Week. Check us out on Toad Hop Network, 4 to 6 on Wednesdays. And if you miss it, go back and watch it live, toadhopnetwork.com, or download the audio from iTunes. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. Hey, guys, we need it. We're the nickel and dime show of the network. Check us out. A lot of fun. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. Welcome to hour number two of Vox Populi, a political talk show for people who spend more time managing their lives than their point of view. Here's your host, Sean Astin. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second hour. Well, the last 45 minutes of Vox Populi. I'm your host, Sean Astin. Uh, in the studio with me is my co-host and uh, Renaissance man, Mackenzie Astin. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Well, that's presumptuous. Uh, and then we've also got Johnny Ice on the boards. Uh, Johnny. Yes. So do you think people should should watch the State of the Union? You said you didn't watch it. Do you, do you feel bad that you didn't? Do you feel like it's no big deal? Do you feel like uh, – I mean I feel like we already know what kind of the problems are of this country. I think they've already been addressed, and I feel like this is just reiterating what the problems are and what he's going to do to solve them. It's like take that hour and just get out there and, and work on it. I mean, I know what the problem is. Climate change, yes. Uh, minimum wage, problem. But uh, it's like get out there, stop telling me about it, and do something about it. Mm, this gets into a dicey area. Yeah, that, I know, I know, I know. I mean, <clears throat> what are you saying? Take to the streets and <laughs> them, you want them to do something. Yeah, I mean, if the president's going to talk about it. Do you but, think in his speech. He can convince even one person from the imposing party to do something that they weren't intending to do? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. Mac? No way. No Not way? Not a chance. No, man. We all Not go even in, one? I mean, all, it's a lot of we people. We all go into this looking at it from our own perspectives. 
And that's you he know, did something in the speech where he he goes he goes well I know you want to do this because I know you want that I'm paraphrasing I know you want that money in your district because I've seen you all at the ribbon ribbon cuttings, cuttings. right and uh, and uh, and then he sort of chuckled he does this thing he uses chuckle to uh, there's like best use of chuckle worst use of chuckle and there are times when he uses it where he's clearly kind of goading his team into uh, into changing the the oxygen in the room a little bit, and then there's other times where he's skewering his opponents by laughing at it, even though it, I don't know. It's it, he he uses the chuckle more than I've seen. Clinton used it a lot. Actually, I guess they all do. Really, yeah. I remember Bush doing it too. Yeah. Um, so uh, the smirk, you know, the the knowing the knowing laugh. It's it's a uh, it's a rhetoric device that is a rhetorical device that is very. Um, I don't know. It breaks things up a little bit, but I, I don't know if you. I mean, so my point was that if he's essentially bribing them by saying, you know, pass this thing I'm telling you to, and you'll get more, you know, pork for your uh, district, then maybe changing somebody's mind a little bit might work. Mm-hmm. Um, but he probably alienates two other people who feel like he's uh, pandering to the like the the wrong part of him or something. Um, he did this great riff on manufactured crises. He said, "You know, the American people aren't going to stand for it." I think that's how he phrased it. I don't know, but he basically said that the country cannot go from one manufactured crisis to the next, and it had to do with the debt ceiling limit and the. Uh, and the 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 rating credit rating agencies hurting us. Mac, do you know how that? Do you know what that stuff is? Do, uh, which stuff? The the debt limit in the credit rating. Yeah. And the the uh, manufactured crises to which he's referring. Yeah. I mean, I've got some idea, um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, if I've gotten all that information from you know uh, outside sources. But so I mean, the basic the basic idea of a of a credit uh, of the, of the credit rating uh, for the country. Is like whether or not we're capable of paying our debts. Well, just how good we are at it, you know, how good how good we are at, at uh, not just at paying our debts, but our general. I mean, I guess that's ultimately what it boils down to. But our general the, worthiness as as a because uh, people borrow. You know, China holds a lot of uh, a lot of our debt. Mm-hmm. Right, when that's good for us. I mean, it's not great. We we nobody. We're like, oh, China, China owns us. We're all going to be speaking Chinese in the future. We're going to, you know, have to have wars with China. You know, you talk to extreme people who, who say crazy things. But the uh, but the fact is that it's not in our long term economic interest to be overly in debt. It's like having a twenty five or thirty percent credit card, uh, you know, uh, interest on your credit card that's due. So like, not only can you make the the several hundred dollar payment, you can't make the interest payment on top of that, so you can never get ahead. You'll never essentially pay off your credit card. It's just un, untenable. Right? Okay. So with uh, with with China, they you know other people buy our debt, and they sort of because we're because they know we're good for it. Well, there's lots of reasons to do it. Probably they want a little bit of uh, to wield a little bit of influence, but but you know they or a lot, but they uh, they do it because it's a good bet. That's why Americans buy T bills, you know, Treasury bills. Because we know the government's good for it, at least they have been in the past. But you know, if you sort of go, well, how good is the American government at paying its uh, debts off and and you know making good on its obligations? We've always had their independent, well, so-called independent credit rating agencies um, that give you a grade, and we had always had uh, triple platinum or something like that. 
uh, triple silver, triple star, triple star platinum, whatever yeah, rating. I think it's and A is the triple A, play, yeah, rating. So uh, and then we got we we it was reduced a little bit. Well, how come? Because our federal government got into a squabble over whether or not to raise the debt ceiling. Mm. And um, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Has, has the debt ceiling been raised before? Many, many times. Really? Often automatically. But the, uh, I think well, in some – Were but, there squabbles previously about raising the debt ceiling? Well, I don't think that the – well, here's the thing. Hmm. The debt ceiling is the authorization to write checks. The amount of debt already incurred – has happened previous. Uh -huh. So it's really just a question of saying, are you, is the country going to write the checks for the debts that it's incurred? Okay. And uh, so the, you know, one side of the aisle was saying that they were going to stop, uh, they weren't going to let it be raised. Okay. Which because is, it was too risky and dangerous for the American people? Because we couldn't afford it. Right. And it's like, well, you can say you can't afford that Lexus, but you just signed the contract for it and put a down payment on it. So now you kind of own it. So now you go, Dad, you know, you're the co-signer. If you don't give me the money to pay off my, you know, Lexus mortgage or whatever you call it, lease, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to come back and hurt you. They're going right. to be like, so, so, so it was a, a foolhardy thing. But, but he, so, what, the consequence of this, this uh, squabble is this. Disagreement was that the country's entire the entire country's credit rating was downgraded. Well, you say entire country. Well, the, the credit rating of the United States of America. Uh, yeah, the full faith and credit of the United States. I don't know if it's the Treasury was, or was was downgraded. Yeah. Did any, did anybody benefit from that? <laughs> um, well, as it turns out, since Obama was reelected, it, it was a uh, sort of a fool's gambit because um, the leverage that was. You know that folks hope to gain from doing that. Uh, you know, dissolved. I think. I mean, they're doing they're doing it again now. There's this other interesting thing that's called the um, I want to call it the prestige. You know, in magic, the prestige is like the reveal of the trick or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's not called that. It's called the. Uh, what's it called? Uh, there's a word for it. I'll, I'll get it in a second. But the. Uh, but basically, um, there was a deal made by both how, by both the Congress and the president some period of time ago. I think it was like 18 months ago. But basically, the the um, the deal was that if they didn't agree to a certain amount of spending cuts by a certain date, which was I think December 31st, then the uh, severe kind of draconian spending cuts would automatically kick into effect for. Right. Defense for um, entitlements, just across, just a whole slew of things, and nobody likes that. It's not in any. I don't even think. Uh, I don't think the Republicans want it because it's not uh, good for the American people. Yeah, it's too. It's too. Uh, it's too arbitrary. It's too. It just wasn't. Um, it's just not. Yeah, it's not in anybody's interest. Sure. But it's a game of brinksman, not brinksmanship, but. But basically, it's like crying uncle. Like, how bad is it going to hurt you until you cry uncle and then and then do something? So, uh, Obama, in a sort of cocky way, was basically saying, you know, give the, uh, you know, give give us the right to pay our to pay down our bills, so we don't have to have this manufactured fight all the time. Um, and then, you know, the re the real fight I would follow is, you know, whether or not to incur those expenses in the first place, whether or not to spend that money. So. Um, Obama kept saying over and over again that things were balanced and things were paid for. 
Um, and I, I, you know, I'm a, I, I support Obama, but I, I didn't find it credible what he was saying. I, it seemed to me like, I mean, uh, it seemed to me like there was important increases that were being suggested in education, in uh, you know, in a number of different areas. But uh, you know, he certainly didn't want the cuts to happen. Oh, I almost had the word. <laughs> Somebody help me on Twitter. Come on. So I know somebody's going to do it. Credit card, fiscal cliff. No, it's not the fiscal cliff. It's the. It's funny because I was listening to a congressman on C-SPAN. That's the other thing. I'm renting this car right now and driving in here. I had XM, Sirius XM. Sorry, Toad Hop. It, <laughs> it is awesome. I was. There's a whole political kind of dial that you can go to. And I was listening to C-SPAN. I was listening to a radio station called Left. Guess which, guess which political view that one was, <laughs> was supporting. <laughs> there was another one that was uh, – there wasn't one called Right, but there was a, a conservative one and there was uh, Fox and MSNBC and CNN. And I was uh, – you know, whenever they cut to a commercial, I'd switch and I was listening to, uh, you know, some, some great new uh, – some great new thing. Why, oh, why, oh, why are you Twitter followers of mine not telling me that word? But anyway, the senator who was grilling um, – uh, not grilling, actually. It was a confirmation hearing for the new head of Southcom. I think it was it Southcom or Africom. I can't remember the name of it. But the uh, it was a general who was being um, – giving his testimony and being questioned before getting confirmed. And, and uh, he started asking him a question about this budget thing. Oh, it's killing me. Somebody, come on. I'm not going to say another thing until somebody tweets what that word is I'm looking for. It's, oh, I got, no, darn it. It's the, oh, it's right there. It's not the fiscal cliff. No, it's not the fiscal cliff. It's the, hold on, take my radio. You talk for a second. Wow. So, uh. <laughs> it's killing me. Sean's thinking right now. <laughs> it's killing me. Okay. I've got the floor. I think, I think that we should all try to meet in Vegas next week. Uh. Right, I'm just days. looking it up. That's all there's to it. You know, we won't Budget. bring too much money because uh, we can't afford to lose it. But, uh, you know, it's always fun to get to Vegas if, uh, if you have a chance. The weather's nice. There's all kinds of shows. Talk about something political. Well, the politics of Vegas uh, are an interesting. <laughs> talk about something political. Yeah, talk about something political. All right, talk about the weather. No. Yeah, the weather can be political. Were we just talking about that? Uh <sighs> What we'll I'm out of ammo. We'll, we'll I'm so bummed. At Caesar's Palace. At it's in my. It's in my. Okay, wait. On Tuesday, I'll be wearing a pink carnation in my hair. Uh, I'm trusting my Twitter people. Come on. Sean will be wearing a red carnation. The. Oh. In my hair. Lindsey uh, Lindsey Graham. Did you see Lindsey Graham on television? You guys, you know, it's fun to do a political show with people who don't give a rat's ass about politics. I know, seriously, you're trying to uh, loop us in. The, uh, uh, there's people elected for that. There was an interesting response. I thought that uh, uh, the Speaker of the House had to the uh, President's State of the Union address. I could I could read from that. If yeah, you read that. What he says heck? if the President wants to impose a cap and trade national energy tax. I encourage Senate Democrats to take it up. If the president wants more stimulus spending that we know doesn't create jobs, I encourage Senate Democrats to pass it. If the president wants more tax hikes that will destroy jobs, then his Democratic allies in the Senate should pass them. This isn't the agenda the Americans are looking for, and many in the president's own party won't support it. In the House, we're going to continue our focus on the American people's top priorities, creating jobs and cutting spending. 
perfectly reasonable stuff, if you ask me. I, I think that All the right. American people are, are interested in going to work and very interested in spending less money. Um, okay, so that was the reaction from uh, Congressional... Uh, Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. Yes. Um, Boehner. Did you happen to see any of the comedic response to the Republican response by Marco Rubio? I did not. Marco Rubio is a Latino who is, well, some call him a rising star in the Republican Party. Others call him the only star in the Republican Party. Other Republicans refer to him that way, um, that he is um, really the, the top chance that Republicans have to, to really make inroads with the uh, Hispanic community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just said he was Latino. I know he's Hispanic. He's, I, you know, he's Cuban. He's of Cuban descent. Is he? So yes. does that make him Latino? I'm so bad with uh, – I don't mean to be ins- insensitive or incorrect about that. But anyhow, um, he's Hispanic, and he uh, he gave the, the address. Now, you'll remember um, in one of the states of the union – recently, Bobby Jindal from Louisiana, the governor of Louisiana, sure. gave the address, and it was um, universally panned as, like, one of the worst performances by, you know, Republican or Democrat in in uh, kind of responding, giving the dissenting opinion, uh, the opposing party yes, position the, after that. <coughs> right, the rebuttal, which the began, rebuttal, I believe, during yes. LBJ's tenure uh, in the 60s, which is a decade that some of we you always remember. Now we say the biggest in history, the worst in history, the, the only one in history, when nobody knows. What do you know about Buchanan? What do you know about you – know I mean, that's just one well, of those things. I, People should not be allowed to use superlatives to be emphatic about a point in this realm. That is the best hyperbole ever. But that's not hyperbole. Was that, was that hyperbolic? Johnny. Never mind. The um, anyhow, Marco Rubio. Uh, so, so Bobby Jindal, uh, you know, sort of admittedly afterwards realized that his uh, because he was as a um, he was a great hope for a, a voice of color in the Republican Party, and and uh, and he really did. You know, it was a, a very disappointing turnout for him on that one. Um, since then, he's he's uh, marched his way back, and and uh, you know, I mean, you know, by being a uh, a strong governor and by, uh, you know, sort of improving his, his public profile. And he's, I'm sure, uh, got a, a, a shot to run for president if he wants. So I don't mean to impugn him beyond saying that he gave a terrible performance that particular night. As a giver of occasionally terrible performances, I bear him no ill will. Marco Rubio, on the other hand, did not give a terrible performance. I thought his performance was quite good, except for one thing. Not a dry eye in the house? <laughs> Well, he was he was um, parched. What? He was nervous. The guy was nervous. Thirsty. Yeah, he was he was really really nervous, and he was thirsty, and he didn't have water close by, and so he was yeah he had the dry mouth syndrome going, and he uh, and he was sort of kind of tongue tied a few times with his uh, in his mouth, and he was also um, sweating. Not Nixon during the debates sweating where it looked terrible. Mostly he was aware of it. And, uh, but he kept moving his hand up to his eye or to his, his forehead to try and wipe away the sweat before it rolled down his face. And then he was he desperately trying to get through the speech, even though he had cotton mouth. And then at a certain point, literally ducked out of frame, grabbed a little bottle of water, came back in a frame and uh, drank the water and then ducked back out and put it down and came back in and continued going. Like. So it was um, a very normal, real human moment that was uh, – 
fine. And I actually ultimately think that it it did well for him because it was amusing and it didn't have anything to do with anything. And so, you know, I think if anything else, it helped it helped him on his uh, task of, of really making himself familiar to the American people because it became a kind of late night show moment that he did that. And, and uh, John Stewart did some fun stuff with it and, you know, like that. But ultimately, I thought the speech itself was off the shelf Republican talking points. Um, it's his job, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, and Obama, you know, I think Obama's was not off the shelf Democratic talking points because I think most Democrats can't get away with being that liberal. Um, and and uh, and and now that he's won his last election, he he's going to say what he thinks and what he means, and he's going to kind of go for broke. And, and the uh, the the Republicans will will take the the opposite side of the argument. Yeah, I mean, and just just to write. Very, very, you know, minor distances between the 40-yard lines for each team. And oh, God. four years from now, we'll end up... This uh, football metaphor just died. ...with the needle uh, returning to the start of the song, and we all go along Mike with four. Almost remember that word. Um, not cloture. God, it's so frustrating. Um, the Republican Party has a talking points problem. No, it's not just the Republican Party. The Democrats lately have had talking points that seem to be more set, more I, effective. I, I have it on pretty good information that we all have talking points problems. I'm not doing a Bill O'Reilly joke. Talking points memo. No, 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 no. Well, we all are flawed and – what do you mean? I don't mean anything. Oh, okay. Wow. What an example. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've just had demonstrated here on Vox Populi a world-class presentation of – a talking points failure. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. You was an accusation. Oh, see what he just did there? I'm going to reverse. Anyhow, I, I, I don't mean to be overly critical. I just think that the um, Marco Rubio's, um, and he's a congressman, right? Congressman Rubio? Am I right about that? Uh, he he was very empathetic. Um, he talked a lot about his family. He interwove his family's trials and tribulations with uh, the policy points that were being discussed. He he did uh, um, he very much like Obama when Obama got uh, started in '07, tried to make uh, everything human and relatable and understandable and and uh, fair sounding and and I think he did a, a, a fair enough job at that. I, I, I felt as an actor, I could see him pushing a little. Mm. He was kind of pushing, but. Um, but his earnest, but I, I, you know, I don't pushing, impute pushing what the emotional strength of what he was saying. Like it's clear that he's that the reason he's so uh, he's got such passionate and why he has such promise is he can connect with people. And in politics, that's the ball game. Well, people have to feel as though you're speaking to them, not at them. People have to believe, understand, get that you are in fact having the same uh, values. And that you're, you know, that you have the same values that they share, and, and like that. And I think he's great at that. I think Rubio is great at that. I thought that emotionally, as he was trying to make his points, um, you know, in much the same way as Obama got uh, criticism for for being um, for his rhetorical style. I just think he's uh, Rubio's going to going to get a little bit of that. But but yeah. I thought, but when it get when it got right down to it, the the these talking points for Obama were. Very liberal talking points to the Democratic Party, which may give the Democrats cover 
uh, going into negotiations because they can say things like, well, you know, the president was – and we know he wanted this much, but would you consider – you know, he, he sort of I think he did a good uh, a good job at giving them the Democrats a place to work from. Uh, and, but I think Rubio basically spoke the talking points of the Republican Party about uh, smaller government and, and about, um, you know, the. Um, yeah, just not uh, not attacking um, the people who are successful for, uh, you know, and, and as, a, as a as a way of bolstering, you know, people who need help that a lot of times those people won't and you know, the people that need it the most won't get it. But people who take the you know, take advantage of the system, that that kind of thing. He just did very do we have it? Can you pull up Marco Rubio's speech at all? I'd love I had it here a minute ago. Uh ten most no. For some reason I'm just a disaster today it's, when it comes to like finding things and uh, you know what I'll have like a window open with a bunch of tabs of things I want to show and then accidentally close the whole window when you open it back up the tabs are all gone so I'm like I swear I had stuff to say mm. um, it's the word sequester that's it that's it ladies and gentlemen sequester sequestration the winner of today's what's Sean trying to remember is Scarlett Boreal Scarlett thank you Scarlett's always helpful Thank you, Scarlett. Scarlett Moriel, uh, sequester. Here's why I can't remember it. It's two-parter. I, I, I don't even remember what we're talking about. The first reason that I likely can't remember sequester is because my adult brain is is atrophying, and this, you know, that's you've, what you've got is the best of what's left. Two is the it doesn't make sense. The word doesn't connect it. From what I understand, can you look it up? Look, give me a definition of sequestration. I'll tell you why I can't do it. But you give me a, basically, as I understand it, they're going to like in a, in a, with a jury in a jury trial. If you sequester the jury, you put them away from the public, away from the defendant. They're, they're not allowed to. Uh, one of the definitions. No, uh, for the for the for this thing though, for this bu budget thing. Right. Not, well, one of the definitions for the word sequester. Uh, that I have says cut oneself off, and I would imagine that may be what uh, to what they're referring. Cutting the, uh, from what? Spending the money. Spend that you cannot. You cannot have the money that you usually spend to spend on stuff. The government we're sequester is those sequestering funds. its its own funds. spending ability. Yeah. Come on, get me find me find me another one. Is that Wikipedia? No, that's uh, the. Uh, Wikipedia uh, sequester That's for me. The I want to hear of the word. I think it's Webster's. That's Webster's. I understand, but I want the context. I want it described right, in context. The, the second definition. No, don't give me Webster's. Give me sentence, okay. Go ahead. The government sequestered his property. It's defined as confiscate, seize, sequestrate, take, appropriate, expropriate, impound, or commandeer. Go on. I, I'm, that's the end of the definition. <sighs> to separate oneself. But my understanding of what sequester, what, what this sequestration moment was, that the government was going to, uh, that there were severe draconian cuts in spending across the entire government. Right. Uh, that were going to kick in at the moment. Yes. Your understanding appears to be correct. So that money, so the money that would have gone to continue funding that is being sequestered. Very good. Very so good. does that money is that money now set aside for us to do something else with? You asking me? 
here, Business Week. Why Democrats should fear the budget sequester. Really? Uh, okay, so... Caesar's Palace. Well, the senator that I heard... Qu- <laughs> this, is, this senator... Red carnation. Pink carnation. Why Democrats should fear budget sequester cuts. While both parties are beginning to position themselves for the showdown of the $1.2 trillion in automatic, quote-unquote, sequestration cuts that take, effect, that, uh, that take effect on March 1st, Democrats are generally seen as having the advantage. The programs they're most concerned about, Medicare, Medicaid, nutrition assistance, are for the most part spared the budget acts. The same is not true for Republicans. Sequestration makes deep cuts into the military budget, a source of intensifying concern for conservatives and Democrats, in fact. In fairness, uh, who have already begun fighting amongst themselves over how to respond. The emerging view among Washington insiders is that the the sequester will probably not be averted before March 1st, but the Republicans will probably make concessions as the cuts begin to bite. Okay, raise your hand if you're still bored of the fiscal cliff looming deadline fake crisis thing. My hand is up. I, are you, you don't have to raise your hand, Johnny. You don't have to. No, I'm, I'm not ordering it. you to raise no, your hand. I'm over it. Are you over yeah. it? I mean, that whole thing, you know, it was so obvious that they would come up with some sort of a solution and defer the next one. The It's it's brinksmanship governing. This is what the president said that I agree with, but I don't think he's immune from participating in, is you can't have manufactured crisis. This, I think, is a more legit crisis because they've, they've uh, are, are you saying that we have a crisis of crisis manufacturing? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, President, we cannot allow a mine shaft gap. So Bloomberg put out this. The study shows that Democratic congressional districts will be harder hit by the military cuts than Republican ones. Ha. Huh. Members, a minute ago I said Democrats too, to be fair. This, thing, this new study bears me out that uh, because the Democrats – you know, you don't want to exist in a district where government funding has been shut off and people lose jobs. That's how you, sure that's how you don't get coming. That's no, how you don't that's come back. The last thing that I want. <sighs> Robert Levinson, Bloomberg government defense analyst who conducted the study, found that Democrats won 47 percent of the seats in the House of Representatives in the 2012 election, but 58 percent of the military's fiscal 2012 prime contract spending went to the companies performing work in those districts. Among the top districts, military spending in those – it's a really interesting way to get around uh, – to, to get your head around what's happening in the government. Everybody knows that people do, do things self-interestedly, but if we're honest with ourselves, does our value system line up with the decisions we make? For example, if you don't believe in the war – in wherever, but a military industries plant is going to be opened up in your town, your congressional district, creating, I don't know, 5,000 jobs or something like that. Is there a crisis of conscience posed there? It's a, Those people need those jobs to be able to feed their families. and That's how they get you, dude. That is how they get you. It's like it's like Dad said to me at that lunch at the One World three and a half years ago. Are you willing to dance with the devil to pay the rent? That's how they get you. Hmm. Yeah. 
is it dancing with the devil when you are putting – I mean basically everyone agrees that jobs are what is going to uh, – the unemployment rate I think I read today went down by 100,000 jobs. I, I could just be spitting that fact out there, but I remember feeling generally positive about it when I heard it. Um, the 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 best possible way and this is something really slick that obama did that i don't know if people picked up on but he basically everyone republicans primarily say that the way to grow the economy is to create more jobs yeah you got to create jobs because if you cuz you know you can raise taxes on the 100 people who are paying taxes or you can create a thousand new taxpayers keep it at the same rate and the net effect is that you've got you know whatever how much you know 900 percent more thousands percent more income or something like that so grow jobs grow the economy um obama last night was or tuesday night was saying that the way to do that is to help people into the middle class is to um is to help people get a good education he said one thing that i really was curious about uh, and I, I don't know how I felt about it. He was saying that there are some high schools that they're going to graduate their students concurrently. They'll get a diploma, high school diploma, but they'll also get a like a uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, not an AA degree, but a uh, um, what's it called when you get a job? Uh, like a technical school or one of those things. A technical degree? Yeah, a technical degree or something that shows your area of expertise yeah. in a particular job that you can use. So it's not like you uh, have to graduate and then do two years at a community college or a technical college, a year at a technical college, whatever it is, and then go into the work workforce and start making money. It's like well, by the time you're 18 and you graduate, we've set you up. So I didn't know how. I it, It's sort of – I'm a big one for high – Vocational degree. Vocational, yeah, vocational. Thank you, Craig. Good, good, Johnny. Um, so I thought that was an interesting concept. Um, I mean, the guy's fighting for ways to get people to be better equipped and better cared for. Um, uh, what do you think of that idea, that when you graduate high school, you either don't have to go to technical school or your technical school uh, knowledge that you would – gain is you have upon you know that's what you're doing with high school well sean the, before i answer the question the first thing i think i think you need to understand is that the united states is way behind the rest of the world in terms of its education and we need to make sure that more of our united states citizens are getting educated so we can keep up with the rest of the world because the smarter they are the smarter we're going to have to be reverend jackson no i didn't i was just not answering your question which is oh. Terrific. I, I thought you were quoting a great African-American leader. Oh, and that was kind. my impression of a politician. Okay. Uh, because I was saying that Obama did something slick. He oh. used the language of expanding the economy through job creation to promote uh, what is has been, you know, more traditionally re in recent years been, you know, uh, articulated as, you know, I don't want to say, well, whatever, for, whether it's welfare or whether it's uh, um, other kinds of assistance, um, basically the government kind of working with people to help them. It's the, He just used the – he did – it was best use of opposing language. It's a, it's a viewpoint he, he believes, um, but, you know, the word ultimately – 
you know, the devil's always in the details. And the amount of time I, I find that a lot of times I agree with my Republican friends about certain key uh, concepts. My problem is how long will it take for the implementation of those key concepts to affect, positively affect uh, a larger group of people who are currently disenfranchised? Let's hope it's less than one election cycle. Uh, well, you know, sometimes it's good to take a uh, – I know you're joking, but but seriously for a second. Well, if you were to take a look at – yes, obviously if the politician wants to get reelected after espousing that viewpoint, it's good, I, good to be able to point to some successes there. But I, I, th I think that um, it's a balance between the two is what's required really. You know, you have to um, – people need help. People need if – you, if you don't have a good education, you know, which requires nutrition, <laughs> those two things are very expensive for the government to provide. Uh, the odds of you um, performing well are lower. And if you, if you don't perform well, um, you know, you'll find yourself with a whole lot of problems. You know, if you can't hold down a good, you know, people uh, are more likely to uh, use drugs if they're, um, you know, in lower income brackets. Um, they so so it's a it's a vicious spiral. But you know, is that true, or is it just because there's more lower income than there is? Well, it's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you choose in society. How you choose? Do you do you make sure? Do you ensure? My whole thing has always been food, shelter, clothing, health care, and a good education, <clears throat> as as a way of in a great nation. You know, our nation can't afford all that stuff now because of a number of things. Um, so how do you choose? How do you choose? I mean, the idea is well, we're going to grow the economy. More people. Where are those? Where are the jobs going to come from? I keep hoping they're going to come from. Uh, kind of eco-friendly ventures. Um, I don't know. Mac, where are the jobs of the future going to come from? Uh, I believe that children are the future. <laughs> Teach them well. I believe. <laughs> let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. <sighs> Give them a sense of pride. Let the children's laughter remind us what we used to be. <laughs> I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. <laughs> um, I think you're right. I think the green jobs to this. are... And will work to strengthen families by removing the financial deterrence to marriage for low-income couples and do more to encourage fatherhood. Because what makes you a man isn't the ability to conceive a child. It's having the courage to raise one. And we want to encourage that. We want to. Okay, so I guess this is my uh, Hollywood left coast elitism showing. Is there a serious financial impediment to getting married? I thought it was. I thought you got a tax break for getting married for having kids. Am I wrong on that? Let's listen to what he said again because I, maybe I misheard it. And will work to strengthen families by removing the financial deterrence to marriage for low-income couples. And financial deterrence for marriage for low-income couples. That's awful. It's Valentine's Day. It's about 
I I don't know. That's awful. But this is a this applause line. He's gotten this this has been one of the strong things he's always said throughout his career. Do more to encourage fatherhood. Because what makes you a man isn't the ability to conceive a child. It's having the courage to raise one. And we want to encourage that. We want to help that. Huh. That's just one of those things where the ceremonial head of state is, uh, you know, saying something that can be pointed to by parents. You know, look at look at what the president is saying. You got to be a man. Um, I see. This is. Uh, <clears throat> Folks over at the Daily Caller breaking down that uh, it was one of the biggest applause lines in President Obama's State of the Union address. Was it? Drawing cheers from both sides of the aisle. We'll work to strengthen families by removing the financial deterrence to marriage for low-income couples, Obama said. Uh, Wonderful sentiment, but Obama's signature legislative achievement creates such a powerful financial deterrent to marriage that even one former Obama administration official warns that Obamacare will increase the divorce rate among lower-income families. Wow. So uh, Obamacare is going to increase divorce I don't know. rates. That's, Those are the kind of stats that just make you shake your head. Um, listen to this. Listen to Rubio's response to the water bottle moment. On foreign policy, America continues to be indispensable to the goal of global liberty, property, and safeguarding human rights. The world is a better place when America is the strongest nation on earth. But we can't remain powerful if we don't have an economy that can afford it. In the short time that I've been here in Washington, nothing has frustrated me more than false choices like the one the President laid out tonight. The choice isn't just between big government or big business. What we need is an accountable, efficient, and effective government that allows small and new businesses to create more middle-class jobs. Well, funny, that clip was meant to point out, was to show that he was uh, kind of a, a little blooper there. But uh, I actually thought that was a pretty, you know, pretty effective little thing he said. I thought he looked good. Um, Ooh, Sean's got a crush on Ruby. No, I just think it's good to be. Uh, here is uh, what Obama said on legalization. Everyone's retirement dream is different. How we get there what is that? Is not. That does not sound like We're the president. That is not the president. We work. We plan. Ameriprise advisors can help. <laughs> it's Tommy Lee Jones. Of He's not an illegal immigrant. Why is it doing that? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. Somebody call in and talk to me about something. Talk, talk about the weather. I don't know. Bring something up. The... Uh, Here's what I wrote down. Debt ceiling, manufactured crisis, minimum wage, class war and socialism, climate change, executive action. Oh, that was something he said. He goes, if you don't take action on uh, climate change, I'm going to find executive orders that I can uh, make that will, uh, will kind of bypass you. That was kind of a provocative thing he said. Uh, reducing carbon pollution, prepare, prepare communities for change. That was interesting. That was interesting. Basically just saying that uh, there's going to be disasters. You know, the, the, the model for disasters now or something happens, there's initial response, a lot of panic, a lot of whatever, then president comes to visit, then, I don't know, on this last one in, uh, in New Jersey, it took forever, like 50 days or more, to get the authorization to give the money that the federal government had promised. So now he's saying, you know, I don't know if he's talking about 
bottled water and hiding places or if he's talk, what he's talking about. But preparing communities for change is a euphemism for get ready for disaster. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to nickel and dime them to me. Um, oy. Oh, he went on a whole thing about cyber war. Cyber war. Cyber war. There's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of issues relating to cyber war. The lately. war on cyber war. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, it's already been happening. There's cyber war divisions in the Defense Department. There's, uh, but creating jobs. Yeah, there's hey, some jobs. there you go, job creation. I like it. Well, it scares you a little bit. What if all of a sudden all of your computer stuff was just zapped away? Oh God, I would be so. Would you be fine? Stoked. It'd be fantastic. I would go to the park with my glove and my bat and my cleats and just wait. State of the Union, what Obama did and didn't say about the federal workforce. Hopefully this thing doesn't play a commercial. Yeah, it does. Okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> President Obama's State of the Union speech on Tuesday covered some of the most pressing issues of the day, including gun control. Oh, that was the other. That was, it's funny, in this little thing where I was playing the clips, it doesn't show that, but the... Uh, that was the most poignant moment of the whole night was when he talked about the uh Okay, hold on. Are you plugged in? That's from the Washington Post, now I gotta look at it over here. Um So you wouldn't care, Mac, if all your data just was zapped away? Oh, boy. Well, I think it's important to remember uh, that <clears throat> all this information that we have uh, in our phones and on our computers also exists in the cloud. And so if the computer goes down... <laughs> you're like Shecky. <laughs> then it's entirely possible for that information to be retrieved. And I think the only thing we have to fear... Oh, brother. You're like, uh, <laughs> I'm wanting to play this thing. It, uh, it's a compilation of, uh, of stuff on his speech, but for some reason the, uh, the comedy of errors just continues. Um, see if, can you hear it? Oh, brother. You have entered a new dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of sight and sound. <laughs> Scarlett Moriel is sitting at work. She's been so faithful and loyal through this whole thing. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to uh, right before the show started, and I'm going to read some of these questions that came through on Twitter. Read some of these tweets out because they were good. I must say in the, uh, I don't know, 30-some-odd shows that we've done, it was the least amount of Twitter activity. I mean I finally figured Today? out how to auto-program these tweets to come out over the next day over mm -hmm. the, since last night. So you're not actually tweeting those? It's just it's, it's automatically spitting No, around. I basically sat up last night and I was like, hey, tune into my show tomorrow, blah, 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 and then said please release at, you know, at 6 a.m. when it's 79 in, uh, in New York and put the phone number and put the thing and put a link to the show. And in, in the last few times when I was able to do that, and I also put out there like, hey, what do you think of uh, the president's speech? You know, what, do you, what, do you th what issue is important to you, this kind of thing? A lot more people would jump in than jumped in today. Hmm. Uh, Grandma Hobbit writes, have a good show today. Should be very stimulating. Little did she know. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, sh uh, Shamarare. I don't know how to pronounce her as S-H-E-M-A-R-A-R-A-E. Um, she wrote, I can't bear his speeches, but he does nothing but lie. It makes me want to vomit. I pray desperately for God to intervene. That's what I was talking about, the one that is probably not a good thing to repeat. Um, hmm. 
Uh, what does Vox Populi mean? It's Latin, correct? Someone asked. The answer is yes. It is it is uh, Latin for the voice of the people. Um, oh, Scarlett, did you see this, did you see the thing about her? Which Scarlett's our our, uh, our our warrior today on the on Twitter. But she wrote, "Irony traded shifts at work, so I didn't have to watch State of the so I could watch State of the Union. New shift is during today's Vox Populi." Ooh, that is ironic. Blast. Um, let's see here. Sean, have happy Valentine's Day. Aww. That was nice. My wife hey, said... Uh, you want to hear my theory on that? Nah, it's probably not a good idea. But a corporate, ma- like marketing, whatever. Well, what are the primary colors of Christmas? Green. And? I'm kidding. It's red. Red and green. Red and pink. Right? What's red and green? And the, big, the first big, you know, buy a card holiday after Christmas? Valentine's Day. The day red. that my little children came in this morning and handed me a handmade card and told me they love me and made pictures of the heart and gave me a hug. The second biggest holiday after Christmas. The the, to the get one a card where my wife gave me up. a kiss and said, "Make sure you tell your listeners that um, a happy Valentine's Day, so they don't think that you're just some guy who only pays attention to politics." St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Green. Right. The two big holidays right after Christmas, yeah. where your colors are red and green, are red and green. I don't get it. They're, they're getting rid of their excess Christmas stock. <laughs> uh, Melvin Udall, I think he's talking about the – I didn't hear that, but I'm with you. Yeah. What did he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, from everyone here at Vox Populi. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> uh, the, the practice should stop, Melvin Udall says. I think he's referring to uh, states of the union. Jefferson stopped it because it was too monarchi- monarchical. Progressive Wilson and FBR – uh, restarted for the same reason. Huh. Hello. I'm looking Damn. at all these things. Listen, dude, I think it's time to... Uh, no, I don't want to go. It's about to get good. Ladies and I gentlemen, can feel it. You've been I can totally to tell. Fox Populi, the voice of the occasionally put-together people. Today's show has been brought to you by Brain Farts. I, I think Brain Fart doesn't quite capture it. Today's show has been brought to you by Low blood sugar. No, I had, that's not it. Today's show has been brought to you by Today's Show. I think that Today's Show has been brought to you by Johnny Ice, Mackenzie Aston, and Sean Aston, your host. Uh, it was a freewheeling extravaganza. It was a freewheeling. Um, if not, uh, I don't know. We had fun today. We were silly. <laughs> and so, you know what? I think this show was emblematic of exactly what the State of the Union was. Totally <laughs> effing boring. I mean, I watched the State of the Union twice. I looked up all this stuff on the thing. No, it's the same stuff over and over and over again. This is why people do not give a crap about politics and they don't care about government. Because the State of the Union was just it was just uh, the same old, same old. And, and I... Uh, so I apologize uh, to the universe for not figuring out how to wrap it up in a nice, tidy bow for you. We'll see you next week, the topic of which will be, what the hell do you want to talk about? Brought to you by Nabisco. <laughs> Listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.